Welcome back again to the Heavy Shell Podcast. I'm your host, David Richards. And with me, as always, I'm happy to have Luca. Hello. And Moose. Hello. It's been a bit of a slow year, in my opinion, so far to the games industry. Um, But we are going to talk overall about our thoughts on the current state of the industry. But before we get into that, do either of you have a game or something you've come across as of late that you might be something new you're playing or something you're looking to get back into playing? Yeah, um, so I checked out a demo for an interesting little game called World of Horror, um, which is probably the most generic name for a horror game ever. That that sounds like a an old like uh, pirated NES cartridge with a bunch of horror titles on it or something. Well, you know, you're not too far off. Um, it is a uh. One one bit color or two bit color game. So there's either two or three colors depending on what kind of a filter you put on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if any of you guys played Luftrausers, but that game had a very very similar style, and a big part of it was unlocking new filters that would change what three colors you would see on the screen. Um, and it has a pretty big impact on how you perceive the game and all that. But that's you know besides the point. That sounds clever. Um, it was a very interesting kind of point-and-click adventure style game. Uh, the demo only had one scenario, um, but I ran through it like three times, I think, trying to get trying to get the good ending. Um, and it it had a lot of features there that were kind of hinted at what they could be later that really caught my attention. Um, so you know, not, I I can't necessarily give it a a glorious review. But what what I did see of it, I I liked a lot. Um, it was a a fun little experience, and um, I don't know. I I don't know if I'm sold on the full game yet, but I'm I'm very curious to see what it might have on its full release. I mean that that sounds like a good time. Uh, yeah. I have been playing uh, GTFO. Uh, have you have you heard of that, Moose? I know West has. Uh, I don't believe I have. Okay, it's a um like a Left 4 Dead style four player co-op uh, where you're working your way through these levels uh, and you have to be very stealthy because there's all these creatures around that are basically sensitive to like your movement and noise and stuff. Um, and it's, it's an interesting game. Uh, it's an early access. So it has, it's a couple edges. It's rough around, but it, it it's very promising. I like it a lot. Um, it's GTFO on Steam if anyone uh, wants to check it out. It's it's an interesting time. Huh. Something I've come across by the suggestion of Fogmind, that's one of our community members. Uh, this game came out October 8th of last year, and I like strategy games, so I don't know how I completely missed this one. But that also kind of goes into the state of the industry, and how some indie games are, can be pretty good and still go completely unheard of. Uh, this one, kind of a generic name, could be at fault of why I hadn't heard of hadn't been heard of too much. It's simply called War Selection, and uh, I'm gonna read the description straight from Steam. Okay, wait. Come build your empire. It's called War Selection. Uh huh. War, war, war Selection. War Selection. 
That also <laughs> sounds like a pirated NES title, but rather than being like a compilation of a bunch of horror games, this one is just one that came out of like China or Russia or something, you know, and that had a bad translation. Mm-hmm. So it is uh, the description straight from Steam. And tell me if you'll like to try this out just from the description. Come build your empire from the Stone Age to modern modernity in war selection. A pseudo-historical RTS game that reimagines the genre by introducing... Oh, Siri, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> this is also going to talk, talk about AI and its influence on video games later, too. Because <laughs> AI is trying to take over this podcast. Yeah, it's trying War to take selection, over us all. A pseudo-historical RTS game that reimagines the genre by introducing a Battle Royale-inspired Armageddon mode where you, your friends, and up to 62 total players battle for territory on a unique procedurally generated map. So it's Battle Royale meets Age of Empires. That actually sounds like a pretty good time. Yeah. Interesting. When Fogmine said, hey, check this out, I remember I said to him, I'm like, looking at War Selection now. And then 30 seconds later, I'm like, downloading War Selection now. <laughs> because it's free to play. Oh, that I'm I'm almost not surprised. That seems like a it's almost like a standard for uh uh like battle royale titles at this point. Yeah, so that's uh what's been on my radar as of late. I haven't dabbled with it enough yet because I'm bouncing between Call of Duty, finishing up, unlocking everything for the season, and then uh, a little bit of Tim Tam, and then this has come up. Yeah, so oh, how's, how's how Tim has, Tim been? Yeah, that's what I was going to check up on. Because last week you said server's still kind of bungy. So. People, it's not the servers that are as bungy as much. It's, um, there's still things that people are uncovering of like, this is broken, that's broken. Mm. Um, but nothing to where it's like, oh, this game's just utter trash. Now, one interesting thing... But then thing, again, like, I'm, I might see it so often, though, because I, I'm on their Twitter, and I have it set to, like, notify me every time something comes up. Mm-hmm. So it may seem like more than it actually is compared to other games that have issues all the time. Like, they might just be really communicative about big and small problems with the game. I, I did see something interesting where they did their first ban wave, um, and some people were kind of off-put because, you know, a lot, of, a lot of games, especially indie games, have issues with um, bans that aren't necessarily correct. Like, uh, I know mm-hmm. in, in Rust, there was a bug where if you rode on an elevator, um, you would sometimes get banned for flying. Uh, or at least kicked. I don't, th- I don't think they inserted a hard ban because they knew about it. Um, and so, so the, the Tim this Tim guy's developers... moving vertically with too much ambition. <laughs> yeah, basically. Get him out here. Uh, And they still have that issue if you jump out of helicopters and stuff like that. Um, But I I saw that uh, on on Tim Tim, um, there was the the first big ban wave they did. Um, Mm -hmm. And they were saying, this is the ban wave. There's no appeal. There's no, you can't ask to get unbanned. We know that we're right in this. And some people were kind of like, ooh, are you sure? Because that might, that might not be true. But, you know. Yeah, because I saw it on the aftermath of, like, when people were writing back, and I saw them saying, 
I think there was even one individual they were calling out. It's like, yeah, we actually saw you. We saw what you did. Bannable offense. <laughs> like, there wasn't any argument or discussion about it. So I don't know what they have in place to where they can review it to know if it's something. Because, you know, there's always an argument of, like, if it's a badly designed game, you can't judge the player for exporting it. But yeah. then again, I've never been the type of person that goes to export the game. Like, cause then it's not fun for me. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I understand that. And, and then there's the danger of, you know, do people who are exploiting the game understand it to be a bannable offense? Have you made that clear? Is that something that you hide in like the, the EULA? EULA? Is that, is that how people say it when it's full? I've, I've never. EULA, I guess. Yeah. There you go. You know, like, like, where, where, where do they kind of get that idea? Um, I don't know. So, it's hard to say. Um, I, I don't know. It was, it was just, I, I saw it. Made me think a little bit. I, I don't play. They might be banned. on the right side enough because I haven't seen enough of an uproar about it outside. Yeah. Yeah. Me, so me, me like neither. They, so. Like they might've actually legit just got the bad guys on this one. Good job. <laughs> if, if true. <laughs> and. I think they've also played a careful hand in how they communicate with the community tour. Like they do have some sass at times, but they didn't go full ooblets right yeah. out the gate. You know, I've I've noticed that as well. They so they... when they do bite back with like a bands irreversible, no take backs. Like people are like ah, okay, yeah. Like they're not like oh, how dare you talk to us this way. They haven't, you know, made an enemy of their own community yet. <laughs> yeah, not, not yet. Like it might be like, oh, thanks for kicking out the bad ones. Um, but yeah, kind of a hard segue into the state of the games industry. Um, wow, that's on a top hard of segue. the games being delayed, which assumingly would be for quality control things like that. The coronavirus apparently may be delaying the consoles themselves. Damn, um, which like the next I gen didn't consoles? Even think it, yeah, yeah, the next gen consoles. Oh. Because they were all slated to release at the end of this year. But analysts are saying it's likely going to be next year. Ooh. Are they worried and about I'll be honest, I didn't even think of that when the coronavirus started popping up. But I guess someone was like, wait a minute. Is this going to delay my PS5? And they looked into it and they're like, yep. It could. Wow. So, so is this like um, a confirmed, like they're saying delays or they're saying it's probable? So as far as consoles, still rumors, but okay. leaning to very likely, we just haven't had official word last I looked. I did see games on like sw- the Nintendo Switch and stuff, like Outer Wilds. Getting um, a port? Those, those definitely are getting delayed. Yeah. So like there is an official coronavirus has affected the games industry stuff. But I, I don't want this to be misunderstood of like, what was me? Coronavirus is taking back our games. No, I'm just, <laughs> you know, this thing is very real and it's having an impact in ways you wouldn't have thought of because I literally was not thinking at all. No, how's this going to affect the video games? But it does. It has a real life impact. Yeah, I, I wouldn't at all either. Um, Are they that, like digital medium? Be, I should say that could be a pretty big impact on these next gen consoles release. What yeah, if, I mean, okay. if they're planning on manufacturing them in China, like, is that is that why they think it's going to be delayed? Like, what, what are the uh, actual details of this? 
I mean, that could be, I mean, if you just think about it, if you have people who've been going around with this virus and we don't know what stage of the building process some of these consoles are in. And I mean, even they, the Chinese market They could have had huge. contaminated people go into a factory warehouse where there's a bunch of PlayStations, Xboxes, what have you. And no one's like screened or scanned or like sprayed or looked at all these consoles. Like you don't know what's been through what, you know? Yeah. And so could you imagine? It's like, yeah, we should be all good. A year or so delay for later, they start to send contaminated Xboxes all around the world. They just or something. It's just like, hey, I should my say new game PS5. console. I don't want any. I don't want to come off as saying any particular console has coronavirus or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, wait. So I'm saying they're being extremely cautious, and then there's just the logistics of shipping stuff. Just shipping lanes are going to be really tapped down coming out of China for a while. Yeah. I just like the idea that, like, you know how um a lot of consoles were released with a game, like, packaged in with it, you know? I like the idea that, uh like, Sega started that, I think. Uh, I like the idea that, you know, it's like, hey, get your new insert next generation console here. It comes with free coronavirus. Oof. Oh. Oof. I, I, I mean, that's me. kind of like a Plague Inc. game reference, if I, <laughs> if I would ever think of one. But uh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, it, but I mean, other it is... than the, other than like pretending world-ending viruses, um, what else is going on in the games industry? Well, just just talking about the the possibility, all right, he, he, of uh, of next-gen consoles being delayed even further. Okay, imagine if you will a a, a universe where all of these next-gen consoles are delayed, and game developers who were rushing to get these next-gen games out suddenly have time to finish their games right oh my god and then when the consoles do release it is a huge roster of actually completed games and it's the best generation of consoles in history alternatively they still suck but that's okay you just you just got to look on look on the look at some of the alternative options okay very safe way to put it, because I thought you were going to say, look on the bright side uh, yeah. of this coronavirus thing. <laughs> I was like, oh, dear God, Moose, don't do this. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm, in, I'm intelligent with words. I'm word smart. See, like, the edgy yeah. part of me wants so many jokes. Well, we're not going to do it. There's, there's too much of an actual body count. So we're going to go back into my segue that I try to get through. <laughs> of like, non-coronavirus impacts on the games industry. Um, if you look at, uh, this poll that came out recently through Game Informer. You want to, you want to throw a link in that? A link yeah, I'll, I'll yeah, get yeah. it. That I'll would be smart. It it's actually, it's not, there's not a good clear link because it's just on the Game Informer page. You got to scroll down a little bit away, but go to GameInformer.com. On the right side, you will see a poll of the games that people are the most excited for. Yeah. And there's not much out there. Should we read it's, through the list? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, read through the 5% through and up, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, 5% and up. Uh, Animal Crossing. Start with the big ones. Yeah, Animal Crossing, what percentage is that at right now? That's at like 6%. Which doesn't sound like a lot, but just wait until we get through the list. Do, uh, so just go through the ones that have like 5 or more, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, Elden Ring with 5%. Is it, it, like, okay. I don't even know if that's going to release this year. That's just people like, we hope something happens. 
But keep going. <laughs> Ghosts of Tsushima? Or Tsushima. You got it rather. right this time. Sushi- or uh, you sushi- said like Ghosts of Sushi or something like I that. Was like, I was like Ghost Tsunami? Question <laughs> mark? Um, <laughs> Ghost Tsunami sounds pretty awesome. Uh, Resident Evil 3 with 6%, uh, which I guess that's kind of fair. Um, Final Fantasy 7 Remake, 13%. The Last of Us Part uh, Part Two, fourteen percent, by people with bad taste. Uh, Halo Infinite, nine percent. Sorry, went back there a little bit. And of course, the king of the pile, Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, at thirty percent. And and that's Is only like surprised? half the games on this list that have a five percent or above. Yeah, there's a ton that like just no like Predator Hunting Grounds zero percent. Uh, I haven't even heard of like, it. Like we have ten months left in this year. And maybe only five maxed out stretch as far as like broad base um, interest yeah. for games. Like, I've never played Animal Crossing, but it's talked about enough that I'm like, okay, people, I'll try it. Yeah, I'm, you're, you're going to enjoy fetching durians for uh, koalas. <laughs> and so. That, that's the game. That's about yeah, yeah, fetching that's durians. That you guys can think back on. Is there you that you guys can think back on that you were like, wow, there's just way too many games. Oh my God. <laughs> this, okay, this is the state of technology right now. Throw Podcasts it. Podcasts are going to be ran by Siri in the future. Throw it. I, I want to hear it shatter. I, I unironically would listen to like a Siri versus OK Google podcast. This is some weird dystopian future stuff of like, this is what you would see in a in a future scene in the movies, like with flying cars and stuff, where the tech, the AI is trying to interrupt a podcast. Except it's 2020 and we have no flying cars. No, that's not and true. There is like the one really shitty one that's basically a fold up plane that can drive on the road. All I'm saying is I'm having futuristic problems, but no futuristic cool stuff. VR is still lacking. We're gonna get into that in a little bit too. What's crazy stuffs going on with VR right now? But. Where were we? Ghost of Sushi? Ghost of Sushi. Um, uh, we, we were talking about game years that were particularly hectic. I'm, I'm oh, yeah. Is, is there a game year that you that you remember? Because I have one, lock and loaded. A game year that you're like, man, there's just way too many games. Like, you knew that you would be years behind before catching up on all the games that came out in that one year. Um. Yeah, 2018 for me. Uh, that's when Rust actually, for real, really came out. Uh, that's when Insurgency Sandstorm quote unquote came out. I think they had a, a little bit of a delay into the new year, but yeah, I think it came out uh, really towards the end of 2018. And then uh, that's also when Hunt Showdown um, got out of. I think it's out of early access. Yeah. Um, so, and you know, technically, I I bought like Rust in 2015, and I bought. Um, insurgency uh, with 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 the pre-orders and i got hunt showdown and early access so technically i didn't buy them all in 2018 but as a single year that has probably the most notable series of releases that i still enjoy and keep up with and do you have a year luca one sec, there's a really weird noise going on. Um, yeah, 20, 2018, I think, would probably be a good uh, big year for me. Um, maybe 2017 as well. Because um, I think that's when Nier Automata came out, which was uh, a big deal for me, and a few other games that, like, uh, 
I think that's when Persona 5 came out, and I still haven't gotten around to that. I think that's... Is that the year Prey came out? It was either 2014 or 2017 for Prey. It, it just 2017, <laughs> there's a lot of big games that like I still uh, have been planning on going back and, and revisiting. So for me, the year was 2015, the first iteration of when I made a version of Heavy Shelf with my friends, because literally there was just so many games and things to talk about. They were like, we're talking about this already. Let's just do a podcast. Oh, was it the uh, 20... Was was 2015 Fallout 4's launch? I was just going to say, 2015, just to read the roster of games out, I'm going to read the ones from your years as well. But uh, actually, we'll start off with your guys' years, and then we'll go down. Because I feel like my year is better than all yours. Um, So you said, uh, Moose, what year did you say, 2018? Yeah. So in your year, we had Red Dead Redemption 2, Monster Hunter World, God of War, Marvel Spider-Man, Celeste, and then your game you listed, so not a bad year at all. I obviously I wasn't very in on the mainstream with that year. <laughs> but no, I find my point being is like this year is so dead compared to the other ones. Yeah. Um and then you said twenty seventeen. Yeah. Luca. So twenty seventeen, we had Legend of Zelda, Horizon Zero Dawn, Near Automata. So not a bad year. I think there was a couple other ones in that year. A few, but like, not not Super Mario Odyssey, I think. And then, for 2015, we had The Witcher 3, Rocket League, The Phantom Pain, Metal Gear Solid, Bloodborne, Super Mario Maker, the first one, so that was a big deal, Fallout 4, Ori and the Blind Forest, the Tomb Raider games came back. I mean, just yeah, chock full. Like, there's actually more. Like, um, I accidentally clicked the link and took us to even more. Here. <laughs> you got like City Skylines when it came out. Games Dying that were Light. on on their release. Xenoblade Chronicles X. Th- these were like big games on release because I know City Skylines. You don't hear too much hubbub about it. There's you know, been I'm some... pretty sure Overwatch came out that year too, right? 20, 2015? Really? Or 2016. I remember the 2015, 2016 time frame had a lot of games because other things like Rainbow Six Siege, Overwatch, yeah. Rocket League, these are games that are still standing to this day, you know, five years later. And you compare those with now. I mean, really, like... it's... It's cyber t- Cyberpunk 2077. That's it. There's that, like a couple other like, titles on the list that like I'm interested in, but there's nothing that I'm like, yeah, this is going to be like the big game to start off the decade besides Cyberpunk. Yeah, Watch Dogs Legion. I didn't even know they were making a third one. I was surprised I don't know when they said they were making, making a Watch third Dogs one. Watch Dogs Legions, I'm looking forward to because I want to know how they got that mechanic to work to where every person in game is recruitable. That <laughs> I'm a sucker for like the nemesis system. I will praise that forever. How cool that was because I, I, you can I eventually mean, turn your nemesis into your own like little minion and stuff. The um, the, the thing that I find so fascinating about Watch Dogs as a franchise is that it very click, uh, clickly, it very quickly understood itself to be a 
funny jokey game instead of a gritty serious game mm-hmm. and i think that helped it a lot um because like just cause for instance just cause 2 was great not because of the story but because you could just get on top of a civilian's car and ride around the circle highway system for hours just shooting the tires of of the uh, people that would come and chase you down and i mean there was some hilarious stuff that would happen the civilians would just would just ramp off each other because they could they would they would if you got on top of their car they'd floor it it was it was wonderful mm-hmm. um so, so you know it's it's interesting to see watchdogs kind of take that approach where you know they make even more stuff hackable to where it's obviously not possible it's just hilarious and fun and all that i just a lot of these games like i just didn't hear about right dying light 2 i felt like they already had a second one um i heard about doom eternal and animal crossing um like you said elden ring i don't think that has a confirmed 2020 release date unless something happened recently Yeah, people are just excited about it in 2020 yeah um resident evil 3 didn't hear anything about it neo nio 2 i don't i don't know I I know what it is, but only because I looked it up a while back. Yeah, I I mean this is this is like a it's so, it's so bland. As far as AAA like, goes, it's nothing very much impressive coming out except for Cyberpunk. The only other things I care about on this list are Doom Eternal, Elden Ring. Yeah, that that's it. I I'm kind of um, now I'm excited to see Predator come out just because no one gives. <laughs> Like, I want to yeah. see how bad it flops, but, like, that's not legitimate interest. That's sort of, like, sarcastic, like, I don't know. Just, let's, let's just I see what this ends up. Yeah, exactly. It's it's just the sort of, like, disinterested, like, oh, well, you know, like, watching a cartoon where someone steps on a rake, you know? Like, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like it's going to be great, yeah. So why do you guys think that is that there's so little AAA hits coming out this year? Is it only because of the consoles and people are like, ah, we don't know when we should release or not? I mean, consoles have had a, a, a pretty, pretty big history of having some, some poopy games on release. You know, it's, it hasn't been uncommon for a console to, come out and just sort of be like eh well i think um, i think what and, and like is, xbox one for instance was like that i know i think um, what west might be saying is that are, are all the companies waiting to release new like good stuff until the next console generation comes out because they i think like there is reasonably the possibility that like companies are gonna go well yeah we could make this really great idea we have now but well, there's a new console right around the corner, and so eh, let's wait. Are our budgets drying up? Mm, I don't think it's that. I, I, th- I think it's a little bit more what Luca was talking about. I, I think they're looking and saying, "Okay, we can just hold on. Let's <laughs> let's let's release, you know, pretty pretty big um, for the for the new consoles." So then that yeah. would hopefully combat the usual trend of games are kind of poopy when they come out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Gen. However, it's it's creating an interesting lull in games when you're looking at a when you're looking at the pre-console kind of kind of warm up right you know calm before the storm maybe um i also 
I think it's possible that we are just legitimately in a drought of mainstream titles, like, just apart from that, because we've had so many, or a, a good few, like, really great, like, big titles in the last several years at this point. Um, like, uh, like, God of War being a really good example. And I, I don't know, it feels like some of the studios, some of, some of the companies might legitimately just not have any really big, great ideas. As far as, like, AAA games go, I don't know that, but it, who knows? Well, that's a perfect segue into what I want to bring up next as far as ideas. But I've mentioned this point a lot of times, is that I see so much more innovation going on in indie games with mechanics and stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, you would think the bigger studios would have the time for, like, R&D to experiment with different mechanics. So, like, does this feel fun? Is this innovation? Things like that. But... To kind of go over, I, I just linked it in our podcast chat. If you want to link it on to the actual, yeah, I'll link it there. over. Um, it's a list of upcoming hyped indie games, and I'm oh yeah, you know we do have Ooblets still coming down the pipeline. <laughs> it's going to have to compete with um, Tim 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 now. Maniko's um, Night Market looks a little cute. It's got a good start. The Pathless, I really am looking forward to that. The Last Campfire, that is from the developers of No Man's Sky. Ooh. What is um, um, it called? A, uh, Hello Atomic Games? Atomic Heart? Mm-hmm. What is this? I don't know. But uh, Carry nice. On, that's another thing. Moving Out, that is one that's coming out in April. Going to be one of those cooperative, like, fun physics-based games. <laughs> you and know... Then, uh, <laughs> Fall Guys Ultimate Knockout. I've I've seen that that one come and go. It's like supposed to be ready, and then they pull it away. Yeah, uh, I, I saw Sable. It. I've seen a couple interesting gifs. I like the. I'm actually excited it. for that one just for the art style. Yep, like it reminds me a lot of some of my favorite uh, artists. Well, mm-hmm. that's that's what indie games are all about, right? Art style. Well, sometimes like they have art <laughs> style and then deep mechanics, and then you're like. You should have charged us sixty bucks for this. I mean, at least yeah. that's how I feel about some of them. No, that 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 does look that does look pretty cool. And then uh, another Hollow Knight game, and then uh, Raw Men. Have never heard of Raw Men before. Spelunky too. Um, what if Splatoon replaced Inklings with naked men who love to cook? Oh, what? <laughs> Wait, I mean, we could work on this pitch a little bit better. Yeah, I we, we, we I just could. want that to be the the like title of the game. It's making me think about uh, Star Walls and Loadout. Like, just say Splatoon that you don't have to buy a Nintendo for. Okay, there I'll try go. it out. Sold. But the and whole so, naked man who loved Cook, not sure. I mean, I mean I'm wow. I'm sold based on that. Are you not? Are you telling me that's not yeah, just you exactly I'm what you at, want? I'm looking at the character creator. There are plenty of different, <laughs> different chubby naked men that you can pick. Now, now, what's what's kind of shocking to me is that, besides the obvious kind of similarities and you know stylized graphics, you know it's all going to be like a kind of older animation style or like a cell shaded kind of thing. Besides that, all of these games, just from just from little snippets of the trailers and stuff, look to have more. I, not necessarily passion, but they 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 interest me on a on a deeper level, just kind of um in in a gut feeling. 
Um, of course, the, the exception to that is Atomic Heart. I think I've seen some some footage of Atomic Heart when it was like very first announced, uh, and that's that's a realistic game right there in terms of graphics. It's not super stylized. Um, I I mean, it definitely has a, an aesthetic going. Yeah, but that's that's not stylization. That's yeah. That's, that's just that's just the aesthetic. Yeah, it's got an interesting it's, it's, aesthetic, it's but no, you could you could show me no this and tell me it was an upcoming like pasta. double or triple A title, and I'd be like, oh, I believe you. Whereas that Naked Man game, like if yeah. you told me <laughs> AO was developing that, I'd tell you that we can't talk anymore because I'm not going to accept your lies. <laughs> uh. I don't know, they, like yeah, I, I I do see what you're saying though, because I I look through the uh, the list of upcoming triple A titles, and there's like you know obviously the Cyberpunk, like we've said a million times. There's like one or two other titles. So I'm like, hey, maybe I'll check it out if I'm bored. And then for this, the, I'm like writing down names to like keep an eye on. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like, and there's a definite uh, difference there, and just like their ability to captivate your sort of like attention and excitement. And and I think part of it might be uh the the kind of tiredness, not not like funds are running out, but just like a. There, there seems to be like a general lack of of freshness in in a lot of the yeah the games because um, a lot of the stuff that that was on that game in, that were on that game informer poll were uh, sequels and stuff like that um, or you know the Predator game that's not that's not a new IP Predator was, was that in like the mid eighties or something like that uh, I mean you know the, Predator, these yeah. these aren't these aren't new perspectives. Um, other than Cyberpunk 2077, and so I, I feel I feel like there's there's a maybe a little bit of a pressure to try and find and create things that don't necessarily have to be new in terms of gameplay, but just have to provide some interest. Um, which is why I think a lot of people, a lot, which is why I think people are interested in and hopeful for Elden Ring. Because, despite being you know from software, um, it isn't Dark Souls Four. Yeah, and and I mean, that that little distinction, right? No, nobody looks at Bloodborne and says, "Oh, this could just be called Dark Souls Three, or Dark Souls Three and a Half." You know, no, nobody does that, even though it's very similar. And nobody looks at Sekiro and says, "Oh, this is this is Dark Souls like B," you know? Yeah. It's um, so so kind of looking for something that expresses itself in a unique way. I think is pretty important for the games industry, and on that particular list, I'm seeing a a very big lack of that. Yeah, I mean, again, it could be that they're waiting for all their new ideas for the next console generation, but it, I don't know, it it I, has felt to me like a lot like every year we see a lot of like recycling of old concepts and and sort of like disinteresting stuff um well um, like a, the the few gemstones you know and maybe yeah. this year they just haven't been able to think up any gemstones you know well it was it was what one or one or two years ago when bethesda was talking about fallout 76 before that turned out to be a complete and total disaster what are you talking um, about that's my favorite game fault yeah and and I remember when they were talking about Fallout seventy six, they also did some some teasing of Elder Scrolls six and Star Citizen. I think they probably went back to the shop for those after people just spent the next four months lambasting Fallout seventy six. 
So, it, I mean, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if they were um, keeping those, working on those, and then just saving it for a big console release because they needed the time to work on it. Because it's it seems really unprecedented to mention a huge hyped-up game once and then not talk about it for, like, over a year. You know, they, they showed that one clip, that one... Oh, oh, what what land do we think Elder Six is gonna is gonna take place in? I've analyzed this ten second clip for forty minutes and cross reference it to every single book in the Elder Scrolls series. I recognize that rock right there. That's the rock from whatever. whatever. Yeah, ex- exactly, exactly. Um, and then they just went silent. I'm th- I'm thinking I'm thinking it might be because, hey, we can just wait. We can work on this. Release it for the new consoles. Bada bing, bada boom. We Company can, is saved. We yeah, we can hope. We can really, really hope. Uh, so I mean, you know, who's to say how many companies me, aren't doing that? Because usually the, it's about this time that EA announces the next Battlefield. You know. Well, that's again. You guys are helping me out with these segues. That's what I wanted to get into next. Of of even with the major like once every year titles. Most of them, they've been delayed or announced that we're not going to release them every year. Now it's going to be every other year. Which is good. (laughs) Which is good, but like we're seeing, I think we're seeing for the first time with no preparation really for, I mean, at least me, I feel unprepared just because as a content creator, I need to see something ahead of like, what's my year going to look like? And I was a-okay with Cyberpunk coming out in April because I'm like, I'm just going to make my life about Cyberpunk in the year 2020. That's just what we're going to cover. Now it's not coming out until September. What do we do? Hmm. Um, Indie extravaganza. And, yeah. Indie extravaganza. Or there's been co-op games to get into, and we'll talk about that a little bit later too. I wanted to get you guys' opinions on some co-op games that you think we should return to or maybe are worth getting into um, just to survive as a gamer through the summer <laughs> as far as having something to play. Now... With a lot of the major companies not putting out a game every year, which I think we all agree is okay. Um, I, I would go as far as to say it's like, good. Yeah. Um, we're seeing what it's like now in an off year. Hey. There's like nothing. And also you have bigger games like No Man's Sky. They don't come out with new games. They just come out with updates. Yeah. Um, Overwatch. Te- I mean, they call it Overwatch 2, but let's be honest. It's not a part 2. Um, it's just is there any more information expansion. on that? Yeah, actually, I, I, I haven't kinda... heard about that. <laughs> yeah, There's I saw that it was announced, and I said, not... "Yeah, like I, I heard yeah. that it's coming out, but then everyone's response just needed to be like, okay." <laughs> well, well, yeah. because it's not really, uh, it's not really a part two. Like they should just say, I don't know, like it's not a part two. <laughs> it's it's, it's a it's a Fortnite moment. They could they should just call it a really big update, but even with Fortnite. That's something I want to get into as well. They've been going through these seasons, and I thought Fortnite was doing a pretty good job of like making it clear, this is when seasons start, this is when seasons end, here's when you can expect as far as content, pacing, and everything. But they've been postponing ending this season for a while now. And I don't know if that's because, well, they're fighting against Grind, like they don't want any more reports coming out that they got their people working too hard. And so they just delay everything. And then 
you have Apex Legends, they have their season coming up. I mean, everyone has a different idea of what how a season is, right? Yeah. There's, but effectively, there's no effectively um, Fortnite, what was good about it is that they were working so hard is that practically you would have the season, right? But then every three weeks there were, or every month you would have at least one minimal update compared to what they would put out would be uh, more content. So you, you almost had smaller seasons within the season. Some people might call those weeks, <laughs> but uh, they would just have stronger content weeks than others. Right. But those alone would be big enough to compare to the kind of content that apex would push out over a three month period. And so that takes us to where games are really going to be more of just Completely season-based, usually three months long. And I want to get your guys' thoughts on subscription services and where we are with that right now. And I wonder if you guys are going to be anything like me in that if I see a good season of content coming out for a game, I will subscribe to a subscription service just to play that game for like those three months. The thing is, it's probably cheaper to subscribe to the subscription service because they mm-hmm. all the subscription services so far, the the pricing is relatively low. Then it's just mm-hmm. to like buy a game, uh, wholesale, um, or not wholesale, whole price, whatever. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and like that's all well and good, but like fundamentally, I still don't really like the idea of the subscription service. But I recognize the sort of like quality of the deal. That you get for that, you know. And I don't like, think I, I've I, ever bought a subscription service or season pass to a game. <laughs> well, I, I think like uh, you know we're talking like the uh, Xbox beta or whatever the the subscription service on yeah, PC um, is. Game Pass, honestly, Game Pass. Game pass it is it is already a, like Netflix Netflix quality of value, and. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, it's better. I I'd say it's better than Netflix because Netflix used to be a great deal, and now they don't have anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, Game Pass is honestly really awesome right now. And then you have Google Stadia, and that's just a hot mess of a platform. Which I saw somewhere. I'm googling it right now just to double check. But I think I saw a headline that said Google Stadia had to go free to play. Oof. So what what I found so funny about Google Stadia. Um, and I kind of, kind of wanted to talk about it, but honestly, it was so unimportant to me. I kept on forgetting. Mm-hmm. But now that now that we're bringing up Google Stadia, I didn't know that it like launched. <laughs> yeah, well, even they didn't know that they launched because <laughs> the the founder tier, you know, the creme de la creme of your fan base of what you're trying to give this package for and that package for, they still hadn't sent the controllers out to them by launch day or the codes. But they were promised the whole idea to get the founder thing would be to get your controller on time, get your own username on the platform so no one takes it, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. And then people were finally getting their controllers late and then they were getting on the platform and finding their username was already taken. And it's like, what was the whole point of spending this over a hundred plus dollars to get this early? What yeah. in the world? Wow. And now, yes, it is confirmed that Google Stadia is going free to play in a couple months. And this came on the heels of nvidia's it's like geforce now or g players oh let me
they just came out with something I believe you can sign up for right now. Let me get the exact name of it. Yeah, it's called GeForce Now. And it's pretty much more likened to Google Stadia. So, gaming on all your devices. You have a free membership. And then the founders, four ninety nine. Wow, yeah. And, and, and it's like, got, from what I've seen at a glance, for some reason the page just doesn't want to load right now, um, it's got comparable quality of games of Game Pass. Because I was like, oh, let me try this now. But then I was like, oh, I literally have all these on Game Pass. I'm good. But, <laughs> you know, Game Pass, that's going to be on your PC or on your Xbox. This is going to be on your PC or your phone. Or tablet. Isn't there uh, also like an, a Microsoft potential competitor to Google Stadia? That's it's, it's called Game Pass. No, 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 no. There's a there's another oh, no. one. Like that's supposed um, to do the same thing. Yeah, I, yeah. I know what you're talking about. As far as like cloud wise, yeah, and that's gonna blow Stadia out of the water. That's gonna come out whenever the next gen consoles. Come oh, out. okay, okay. And when when I'm when I'm talking about Stadia, I, I remember a while ago, you know earlier in the in the podcasts talking about google stadium like, oh you know what what's it what's it gonna be like is this is this just gonna be another one of google's pipe dreams and you know we're just kind of waiting around for more news um and i was still waiting for more news when i heard that it had already launched and not only had it already launched but it was going very poorly that's how completely under the radar it fell i yeah man and and, and this was touted as the the next generation of gaming. Nothing will stand in Google's path as they figure out exactly how you play games and then use that to control a robot army to kill you, you know? Um, and everybody was like, whoa, this is going to be so cool. So, anyway, I'm glad you brought that up because so, I had forgotten that it was even a thing that existed in the first place. I'm sure the people who a, paid for the Founders Pack have not forgotten. I have a tinfoil hat theory on where all the games are right now and how this lack of games we're running into now is going to mentally prepare a lot of us for not buying games and 2021 will be the year of subscription-based services in that a lot of major games, the next time we see them, will be behind a subscription paywall. Which is going to be really annoying for people like me, where I'd rather just own the game outright, but, yeah. again, I recognize That's the thing, the though. With Game Pass, I'm not going to lie, they get me, like, they do let you buy the game in full if you want to, at a discounted rate. But when you do the math of the quality of all the games out there, it's like, what is ownership, really? Because I'm already worn off of having to buy the physical copy. Yeah. Like, I just don't care anymore, and I thought I never would never... The name Heavy Shelf is based off of having your video games in this on a shelf, you know? Yeah. And even I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm okay with digital. As long as it's made by, like, a... I don't want to say trusted. I should say established platform, like Xbox in their games library, you know? Then well, I'm okay what, I, what I think really matters when you're taking into account game ownership is what kind of game it is 
because yeah. I mean, you know, something something that a lot of people like to mod pretty heavily. Those are the kind of games that they want to own for themselves, so that they can, you know, mod it however Ooh. they want. Um, what if they do the thing that I've been calling for for a while, but this will be bad in this case, in that, oh, you want, like, the moddable games? Well, those are going to be $99, because that's just a new fee. That's just new rate. But it's okay. You can not mod for four ninety nine a month and get the games, all the games you want. I don't think, I, I don't think that, all areas of gaming are, um, are are going to stand for that. I I feel like you could totally pull that off for certain well, areas, but those areas wouldn't already be areas where modding is a very common thing. There will be people who won't stand for it, but usually those kind of rabble rousers at the front of the mob got the rest of the mob behind them. But this time, the mob will be appeased because they get all the games they want for four ninety nine a month. I don't, I, so I think I think you're misinterpreting ranks, a lot of these. Their ranks will dwindle. No, I don't. I don't think so. I think I think if you tried to play, uh, play. I think if you tried these to are the tell same people that say, Skyrim hey, players no. that they would have to spend more money to mod Skyrim or they couldn't own it. I I, I think I think they would be very unhappy with that immediately. And so they will either uh, pirate the game or exactly. they'll play four ninety nine. No, they'll they'll pirate it. Yeah, they but legitimately this, they I, will. <laughs> I mean, that's just that's just what's so going to happen. That's what I'm saying. Like, like the, the biggest the screw you can give is playing their game and not paying them. It's the double whammy. I'm not I'm not a pirate, so I don't know how effective or how easy it is to pirate the games nowadays. But um, the same way, a lot of people would be like, "Hey, no pre-orders, never pre-order." And then I'm sure you guys have all seen the image of like everyone playing the game the day of release, like Call of Duty and all that stuff. And so that's my thing is that a lot of people will say, oh, well, we'll just do this and this instead. I really do think, depending on the service, it won't be like everyone's just going to pirate. It might be half and half of like, uh, well, I mean, I don't really mod. And like, if they're offering this and that for only four ninety nine, like it, it doesn't hurt. I think, I think framing would be a lot of what would matter here, right? I feel like... um they they couldn't explicitly say oh you're going to have to pay more for modding i think that would bite them in the ass really hard right i think they'd be better off saying um okay you can get the subscription service and x y and z or you know you can pay and like it, as long as there was a general increase in in sort of like industry pricing for games uh I don't think it'd be that big a deal. I think it's all about framing. I think if you told people that games that classically have basically just been platforms for modding were going to cost more to mod, I think people would be upset. But I think if they just cost more, people would be grumpy about it for a while, and then it would just become accepted. What if they don't really cost more? Like, they don't do the crazy $100 month thing, but they simply say, yo, you can mod all day, every day. But you can't buy the game to own it. But people, you have to, people like, want to own what they what they do with modding because people like modding games in ways that the company probably does not like them modding that game, like the killable children's mod for Skyrim. You mean the best mod for Skyrim? Like, there's no way that Bethesda would be okay with having that mod just just free for everyone to use unless. They did it like themselves, distanced far away from Bethesda, well, and Bethesda I, is distanced from the mod itself. 
I guess the thing we need to originally go. You're back not seeing to that like, on the Creators Club. Is there something? Soon. Is there something that says if you pay for a game through subscription, you have the inability to mod? I don't. Not not necessarily, but it's the fact that people yet. like the security of owning the games that they mod, so that they mm-hmm. can mod them freely. The thing is, I I think we have to remember that. So far, the subscription services have allowed people to buy the game at a discounted rate. And so I think people will just, if they are that concerned about, uh, you know, installing the Killable Children's mod for the next Elder Scrolls, I think they'll just buy the game, you know, just to, just to make sure they can't have it taken away for installing the Killable Children mod, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's going to be really that big a deal. Uh, and even if it is like normally $90 or whatever, well, again, it's at a discounted rate. And so I think a lot of people will go, well, I'll just buy the games pass and then buy it for $60 or whatever, which grr, it's still full price, but Hey, I get all these other things anyway. So I I don't know. I don't know. I think it'll probably sort itself out without uh, too much problem. As long as the games companies don't take a like really in your face hostile stance with it. Yeah, like again, I think and, it's and, and all I about the framing. I don't see a future where most people don't own the games they play as being realistic because because that's like an arcade era thing, right? No, <laughs> and this I, is just arcades li- with extra steps and more distance. I literally, well, I I believe that it's entirely likely that we're going to see. Because think about it: when streaming services first got big, uh, you had people like doing stuff like um, finding ways of basically like, recording stuff on Netflix and saving the files on their computer on a disc or whatever, right? But no one fucking does that anymore. Well, I would would argue that the difference between a show and a game is very, very different for digital media. I I, I don't don't rewatch the the same movies over and over again at at all. That's you, though. Some people do. And those people who do like to own their... No, I like, swear like there are people movies. who binge watch the well, same shows. Like even as someone who likes to own. own their movies, even I don't really care to own them anymore. Same thing with music. Well, well, I, take take into account this thing. Bungie Finchstein makes a good point in the chat. Mm-hmm. Like Netflix has done with The Office and removed The Office. Well, have they removed it yet? They're going to remove it. Um, that is They're, an they've example. They've been going to remove it for years now. It's still there. Okay, they they did they did Chowder. They removed Chowder. Um, of course, the fan base around Chowder is mostly made up of like eight-year-olds, um, or or were eight-year-olds. Anyway, that's besides the point. They have the ability to remove games from the platform. Now, now, say you really like to binge watch a certain a certain show. Say you are not confident that that show will always be there. Well, I'd I'd buy the discs for for shows that I really like. Yeah. yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd buy the discs. And but I think that uh, fundamentally speaking, if the um, if the the platform is going to offer the ability to buy the game at a discounted price, then even if they remove it, fundamentally speaking, they're going to have to keep it on the the platform because otherwise, you're not buying it. Yeah, yeah. You're well, just that's paying what I'm more would, to rent it. You would it. own the game as opposed to. Yeah, and I'm sure I'm sure rent esque people... kind of deal the game. I'm sure um, I'm sure and, people and will do that with their like favorite favorite games. They're gonna go, okay, well this is on Game Pass right now. Let me buy it for forty dollars or whatever, rather than sixty, and then I'll own it. And if they take it off, I'll still be have access to it through the launcher. It'll be fine, whatever. 
I think people will probably do that for their favorite games. So I think I, I think it. that's a majority of games. Like, is there a game that you've played once and said, "Okay, I'll not touch it again," and that, and that's like the majority of games that you play? There, there or do you are, play games that have there replayability are, at there any are, point? There are a ton of games I've played on the the Games Pass that, like, I'm happy I played them. They were fun and all, but I wouldn't buy them. I, you know. Yeah, well, I mean that that that's exactly my point. It, it, it's a it's a certain type of game, but those. I mean, you know, you're saying favorite, favorite games. Well, Insurgency doesn't have to be my favorite, favorite game for me to want to replay it at any given point, you know? Well, I just, sure. I, I, I have it, and it has replayable value in a way that a movie and a TV show doesn't. Because it, once you've seen an episode, you've seen it. It's mm-hmm. not like once you've played a round of any game, oh, that's the game, sorry. Now you can only watch the replay of that round. No, it's, okay. it's different every single time you play for the vast majority of games that have ever existed. And that's part of the attractiveness to it. And that's why people want to own it because they don't want, they, they want, they want to have control over. Okay. But what about single player games? That varies. About, single player about, games vary too. Well, yeah, you know how many what? different builds you can make in any kind of RPG? People have been playing Sudoku for way too long. <laughs> it's, it's, it's friggin' Sudoku. So, I mean, but the thing is there are plenty we'll have of to games wrap this I up have. Here in a second. There are plenty of games I have in my steam library. But yeah, I bought them, but if they were on a Games Pass, I would have played them, and I probably wouldn't have bought them, and I'd probably be fine with that. I think that a lot of people probably will end up just playing a lot of the games on a Games Pass and going, okay, that was an experience, but I don't like it enough to really be that concerned about, you know, buying it I to, mean, that, to have it forever. I, I, don't, I don't think that is, that, that is a majority of high-quality games, though. I, I don't think you're going to see people talk about, for instance, Cyberpunk 2077 as one of those games. These, yeah, these sure. high-quality no. games that I, I, think, I think people will buy copies of buy. Cyberpunk 2077. We, I th- again, sure. guys, we will have to wrap this up here soon. Um, but it is something we could keep going on forever and ever. My argument that I was trying to make is that just with, as I've been following, music, because before I did this podcast, I did just overall culture and media podcast. And with music and movies and just the trends of how everything is going, you know, iTunes, like they, I'm pretty sure they've officially closed down iTunes unless you, unless you haven't updated, but you can't even really buy the albums anymore. It's just only subscription. Eventually, games will go only subscription at some point, whether we like it or not. And then it's a discussion of, well, what are the downsides to pirating then? Because then I'm kind of even, and you guys know me, I'm on record for being very anti piracy, but they give you no choice to buy for ownership. What's that going to look like for the gamer, though? Like, I don't know. Like, I haven't pirated a game. Is it only going to be good for, like, the first patch? And then you got to download uh, or pirate the next patch every time it comes out or what? I don't know what they're going to do to have the game not work. If if the game industry goes, like like you suppose, full-on subscribe only, I guarantee you game companies, smaller game companies, will use that as a way to market their games that you can actually really own, and that'll be a feature. Yeah. And, and I'm glad you put it that anywhere. way. You know, the, the, the idea I'm that... I'm glad you put it that way because I wanted to... Sorry to cut you off so strongly, but I think that's what we... The, that's a great point I'm trying to get to, is that I think we'll see a swing back around the same way vinyl has swung back around, and that... People will might, buy discs. Well... They'll buy discs or or maybe cases like with a little Nintendo card or something like that, you mm-hmm. know. Well, um, the reason that discs died is because you could own the music on your phone instead of on a disc. 
Well, yeah, it's not I'm, like I'm, it's I'm not like people stop owning people discs. Buy discs, but I, I do think that we'll see people buying the games. Even I'm thinking it'll come to like if there is a, even if it's just a simple game case because some of the Nintendo games do this now. Actually, they will sell you the case to put you put put on your shelf, but it will have a download code in the case. Some people hate that. And I'm like, yeah, well, it's not bad. Like maybe they should give you like a piece of artwork or something for your shelf in that little case, but um. It is what it is, you know. Mm-hmm. But the other thing I was trying to get at is that I think there's going to be far more people that are just a okay with subscribing and don't care to own it than you might think, Moose. Yeah, I, I I'm gonna have to agree with him there. And I don't know how please. I never would have imagined. I mean, I've been downloading music on iTunes since that thing opened up. And I never would have imagined that they would close down iTunes and do just music subscription. Like I literally, because you can every song is like a dollar twenty nine. I've spent thousands of dollars on music alone, and you get to and own it forever now. I get to own that forever, yeah. And I'm glad there, but like there will come as there is with Apple Music, because there's no you're not buying CDs and Best Buy and stuff. Music is in its current state with the exception of the artists who individually put out vinyl or CDs on their websites, you got to subscribe to get to it. Yeah, but I, I don't think that indicates that people necessarily want it to be that way, just that that is the most profitable way for it to go. I, I mean, I'm kind of content. I'm not going to lie. I got, I, I got Spotify and Apple Music right now. I'm pretty happy with it. If, if I could but, own all of the media that I consume in a way that, that was that easy, you know, than, than I would. The reason that I think streaming is so popular is because free streaming services. I doubt we'll see that with video games of a certain caliber. I I, think I get what you're saying, but that's the thing. I just said it earlier. Factor. GeForce Now already has it. You can do free games to try them out, and then the paid is only four ninety nine. Like they're drawing us in with that. Is is, is, is that just demos with extra steps? Is that just something that's existed for, since games? Well, on here, <laughs> well, think like like think if you have an entire library of games that you know a demo is definitely going to be different than the actual game because you will have a hard stop as far as um, the gameplay will cut you off. Where this one will be time based. Origin had it like ten hours. This one has a one hour session length. But for many people like myself, I can get into a game and just get the feel of it to know, oh, this is clunky or this doesn't move the way I like it to move. I'm not going to play it. So people will be able to decide even in an hour's time if it's worth their time. Mm-hmm. Like you're saying, Moose, like it's it's not going to happen or it's too far no, away. No, I'm saying what, what you're saying NVIDIA here. has is no different from a, a demo other than you have a time limit instead of a set endpoint. You, you still try out the game for a limited amount of time. So that's the thing. And I'm not really arguing is it a demo or not, but it's going to be for all games. Not all games have a demo. Well, the demos were more common. The thing is, yeah, in, demo, in demos used age. to be very common, but we, you know, you could make the argument they're seeing circling back to demos, but I, I still think fundamentally we're going to see... I keep using the word fundamentally in really stupid ways. I think at the base of this, we're, we are going to see the rise of subscription services for gaming. I think people will still buy the games that they or a lot of the games that they were likely to buy anyway, but I think we're going to see people using the subscription services at the very least to diversify their library. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, th- I think it's going to become. I think more it's going to become, give people the opportunity to experiment. I think for a lot of people, they're going to get used to just the convenience and the the price point. And so, sure, you're going to get people that do want to buy everything, but I think you will see a lot of uh, filthy casuals that are content to uh, just use the subscription service or use the subscription service except for in their like, again, like I said, like favorite games. But who knows? Yeah. And I'm just wondering if all the big players are going to do it all at the same time when their consoles come out in 2021 or later this year. And they're just like, oh, by the way, like here's just how we're doing things now. And um, the deals will be so good that it's like, oh, do I really need to buy it? Yeah, people are going to buy it for a while. I think people will buy it forever. I just think it'll become less prevalent. Yeah, I mean, well, originally, you know, it was you buy a game and you buy the game. That's the game. And then microtransactions and DLCs and stuff like that. And people are like, oh, this is awful. They're, they're price gouging us. They're, they're trying, to, trying to milk us for, for all sorts of money. There's no reason that that won't happen to subscription games. And then you don't own the game. It's able to be removed from the platform. And they're still charging you monthly for the games and for all the other microtransactions and stuff like that. Yeah, I'd, sure. I, I, I don't think that they won't not pursue profit. That That's a triple negative, but hopefully that you understand that. Yeah, no, no, no. I, yeah. I, I get you. I'm not necessarily hugely happy with that direction, to be honest. Um, but I do think we're going to see a move towards that quite possibly. Yeah, that's it's it's probably going to be, become as common as those kind of microtransaction stuff are, are now, where yeah. it's a, a considerable portion of games not necessarily I would I would the vast majority I would hope that they would be somewhat content with the mountains of cash I mean like Netflix just dominated the industry with their subscription model I would hope that the cut that they're getting from subscription play will be enough to keep games going as far as like uh, you know they have more budget for longer development times and better quality games and L- so like and so with forth. what netflix does funding future stuff to be on the platform yeah. and and so they don't have to like by the time it does come out there's microtransactions and stuff you know yeah i don't know it's uh i don't know i'm just looking at the music side and like i thought you'd be always able to buy music and now it's pretty much subscribe only if you want it from any major person or platform and like luca just said he thinks you'll be able to buy games forever. I thought of that about music. Who knows? I don't think it'll happen in 2021, but... Uh, 2030. It's actually happening tomorrow. It could. Well, I mean... I don't think it's going to happen. You said, There's no games, Moose, You no said music. you don't really subscribe to services, but then again, you said you don't play a lot of different games a year, correct? Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I invest in games that I think I'll be able to play over and over and over again. So, so because, not I'm not a yearly FIFA buyer, is is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Because um, like with the Game Pass, even at like the full blown one, like the ten bucks, that's the price of two games a year, but you get access to at least on conservative estimates like five AAA games, and easily two dozen quality AA games. And some people just two. don't have the time to utilize that. Yeah. But think of the millions of people that do. They're mm. going to shape the market, not the ones that don't have as much time. 
I don't know. I, I, I would have to refer to some, some market statistics on, on who has that. You know, besides my mother's credit card is paying for this and I'm in third grade. I, uh, I think we should... Uh... Well, uh, the billions of dollars that Fortnite brought in. Yeah. That's, that's that, that, mom's credit card. Yeah, right that's, that's, a, that's a lot of moms <laughs> with a lot of credit cards. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I was literally thinking earlier that uh, I think this, like, the subscription model, in the same way that people are perfectly happy to subscribe to, like, Netflix and go on the Netflix Kids app and just sit their kids in front of it, I totally can see parents who grew up playing video games buying, like, Games Pass or whatever, and just plopping their kids down in front of like the kids section of of a of a subscription <laughs> game service, and like they don't give a fuck if a game gets taken off. Their kid whines about it for a week and then finds something new. You know, like just just know, there to were point. Some, there were some conniption fits when Fortnite turned off for like a day and a half. Yeah, that's fair, but like I don't know. <laughs> I I think there's a difference between like ten year olds and like five year olds. I don't know. Either way, let's hope that kids with mom's credit cards isn't the only factor that determines the in, the direction of the games industry. Oh, I think we Hopefully all know it we isn't. get more of the bright side stuff of like longer development times for better quality games, but we got other games to keep us busy because subscription services and all. Like I said, I'm surprisingly happy with Game Pass, but that's like a down. You get to download it. A lot of the other ones are going for streaming, and that's. Mm, not quite there. Yeah, I don't. I don't think a. I don't know that the technology's there. B. I don't think I'd be particularly interested in a streaming only style service. And I guess see, like I can see the advantages of that to people or for people who don't have access to like a gaming computer or whatever. But it just it seems like there's less potential there, just because I think there's going to be more problems with it, uh, being stable. But who knows? One less. One last note before we wrap up. And I swear there's not a sponsorship. But I just now noticed. Because again, with the whole streaming. You're pretty much streaming from someone's superpower PC server. To play the game. GeForce Now says like you, you can play all the games with RTX on. So that's a feature. That, uh, that's a feature. Um, if you don't have a souped up PC. You can still get all them good beautiful graphics. Through GeForce now. Hey. Might be 15 frames per second. Yeah. Okay. Again, I think that's the big problem is I'm not convinced that the frame rates aren't going to be absolute AIDS. Like. Yeah. Well, that's the state of the industry right now. We don't have many, very many games. We might be subscribing to all of them here in the future. Very <laughs> yeah. Future. Uh, coronavirus. Lack of games. The industry is Mom's changing. credit card. Yeah, mom's credit card. <laughs> oh, man. Well, we're going to wrap this one up today. Uh, went a little over, but thank you, Luke and Moose, for being with us in the chat for your commentary. We will see you guys again next time. I'm hoping to have a more thorough report on Tim Tim. Um, but there's some other games might be coming down the pipeline um, indie-wise that I might be bringing to you guys' attention here shortly. So, yeah, join us again next time. Hefshelf.com, that's where all of our content is. See, you thought I was going. Hefshelf.com is <laughs> where all of our content is. And um, Dungeons and Dota by our very moose. I'm sure he's going to have another one coming up here this month, yes. which I'm looking forward to. Luca, someday, will pick up the pen again. 
One day. One day. day. Until then, see you here every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern. Tell your friends, tell your family. Even set your dog in front of it. I mean, I'm sure the dogs would love Moose's voice, you know, from one animal to another. Can you imagine just someone sending their dog in front of our podcast and the dog just losing its mind every time Moose talks? Could be. We'll try it out. See you guys next week.